Alex was talking this morning on announcements, it went off on me like a cannon. She talked about suicidal thoughts. Like it's so big in me right now, I want to get emotional for the person that this is. Sometimes I miss God, but I'm pretty sure I'm not missing it right now. I believe that there's somebody in here that might have been even sucking on a barrel last night. That it was everything in them not to take their life last night. this I heard this as I was studying for this message and it was pointed out it didn't even have nothing to do with this message but it was pointed out that when Paul and Silas was was arrested and was in prison and they started praying and singing hymns together that there was an earthquake that come that dropped the walls of the prison that the chains were broken. So for the one person, it might even be more people. You might not like to touch people, but I want everybody just to reach out and grab a hand. If you're not grabbing a hand, just think that it might be the one that's standing next to you that might, might have been having trouble. And it might be your touch that they feel the love of God through. Holy Spirit, move. Can we just go back in that bridge, Kirsten? We're going to sing hymns together. We're going to worship Him together because the prison walls will be dropped.
is so good. Amen. Well, if you guys uh, don't know who I am, I'm C.W. Wigley. Um, I'm a honored individual that gets to speak here, humbled uh, to be able to speak here. Um, if this is your first time, or even your second time, because last week Josh Schmidt was up here, um, and you haven't come to and heard our pastor's. Uh, please come back because they are amazing. And if you don't like me, you'll probably like them. So it's no big deal. You know what I mean? Huh? You are too. What? Amazing. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. But um, anyways, uh, my wife, she was a worship leader. So I just want to honor her and thank her. Give her a hand. She's amazing. She is definitely my better half. I feel like I'm off center. And I'm an inspector, so when I see stuff like that, it bothers me. Sorry. Um, so I started this the last time I spoke, and um, and I got it off of. I kind of got the idea from Pastor Mark. If y'all was here when he was around, he always told dad jokes. I'm not a dad joke guy, but so sorry if you was hoping that I was going to tell you a dad joke. But I, I find quotes of like ministers and, and sometimes they're old, uh, um, like the God's generals is kind of what um, they're called, you know. But uh, this one is, is of a guy, his name is Sean Smith. He's, he's alive today. He ministers. He's an amazing minister. Um, and I felt like this, this quote went very similar to where we're going today. And it says, what we lack... In the area of vertical awe, we substitute with horizontal addictions. I want to say that again. What we lack in the area of vertical awe, we substitute with the horizontal addictions. And I was like, I even texted this to Josh Smith. I was like, so long, Facebook. <laughs> so long all these things of my little addictions of of doing little things because of my lack of awe. I want to fall deeper in love with Him. Amen? Amen. Uh, so this is part four of Where Are My Davids? Um, so if you haven't been here uh, the last couple weeks, first time, like we're going through a series of Where Are My Davids? Um, our prayer team, just to kind of sum it up, 
Um, I know I'm repeating what Pastor Darren talked about the first, first series, but if he wasn't here, I want to touch base with it because there's some important things that he said. Um, our prayer team was praying, had a prayer um, meeting, and they, all of them, or a handful of them, started getting this word from God. They kept hearing God saying, where are my Davids? He kept asking, where are my Davids? Where are my Davids? And so that's where, then they sent, the, sent stuff to pastors, and, and that's where this sermon come from. Pastor Darren's heart is it's not just for men. Okay, so if you're, if you're in here and you're, you're a first time and you're a woman, you're like, oh, here we go. This ain't even for me. No, this is for you. Because where are my Davids is more of a heart thing. Okay, um, the scripture that um, it stems off of is in Acts 13. And uh, he's talking about um, when Saul was removed, he, God brought up uh, King David or brought up David, anointed David as king. And he said, the testimony is this, that he is a man after my own heart. And so you can be a woman after his own heart as well and still have David's heart. Amen? Amen. Um, and what I thought was so ironic when, when pastors asked me to um, speak here, what was it, probably three, four months ago, uh, I, I was I listen to podcasts a lot. I either worship in the mornings or um, listen to podcasts in the afternoon. That's that's like what I like to do is worship all morning till noon, and then in the afternoon I turn on podcasts and listen to sermons and stuff like that. Sometimes they are just like uh, spiritual uh, podcasts. And Sean Smith is one of the podcasts that I listen to. Him and his wife. Uh, Krista Smith, and Krista Smith reminds me a lot of Pastor Lynette. She's very prophetic and stuff. So she was talking about a word that God gave her back in September, and she said that God told her that he's going to be removing his Saul's and raising up, or removing the Saul's and raising up his David's. And I text, I've forwarded that to pastors, and I'm like, how crazy. So I don't think that this series is by any means a coincidence. I believe that it is a time because that church that they do, that they do and, and uh, Sean and Kristen Smith, they're in California. And then as I started listening to other sermons, like more and more David stuff's coming up and we're talking about churches in Florida. So we got people from California, now Colorado, Florida, everywhere talking about David. Where are my Davids? Where are my Davids? He's removing the Saul's. He's, he's raising up his Davids. And, and so this is by no means like just a series that we should take lightly. I believe that this is a heart cry, a huge heart cry of the fathers right now. Amen. And as I started studying it, I even found that it's even scriptural. I'm like, what? How does that work? You know what I mean? Like God work off scriptures, you know? It's crazy, you know? But... In Acts fifteen, thirteen, this is this is uh, James speaking here, and everybody kind of a background of the of the story. Um, they all gather together to discuss. They're they're discussing if the Gentiles needed to be circumcised or not circumcised. And so everybody say, "Amen." This is going to be a good message. We're we're starting off talking about circumcision. You know, I am still scarred. Can I, I hope I got time for this. I'm going to tell it anyways. 
Like our oldest son, he's not in here, right? Our oldest son. So pastors, like, like I'm like, they're like my spiritual parents. So I'm going to follow everything that they do, right? So they talk about how they took Rhett James to a... Um, to a Jewish rabbi and all this stuff. And it was like so spiritual, so special and everything. I'm like, that's what I'm doing. Let me tell you something. I was so scarred when I took my oldest son. Like this Jewish rabbi come to the house and everything. He's like, okay, hold his legs. I'm holding his legs. And I'm like, this is nuts. Like this is not special at all. (laughs) So anyways, amen. We are already off on a good start talking about circumcision. So James is speaking here, and it says, And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet agree, just as, just as it is written. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down, I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. I'm going to go ahead and just read real quick in Amos 9 where that prophecy come from, because that prophecy that James quoted was in Amos, and it's 9.11. It says, On this day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild in all or rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. The remnant of, of Edom, Edom, like I had to look all this up. Edom was hostile to Judah. The Edomites, they worshipped a god named Koz or Cozy or something like that. I don't know. Like, I don't really focus. He's an enemy of mine because it says, which Wikipedia states that he was a rival of Yahweh. So I don't really care how to pronounce his name. Like, he can, he can get under my king's feet is all I got to say. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to possess the remnant of Edom. We're going to possess the lands of Edom. Right? He's going to return and, and build up the tabernacle of David. And who? The Gentiles. Who's a Gentile? If you're not Jewish blood, then you're Gentile. Okay? So, so everybody who's Gentile, say I. I. Okay? So if he's going to be raising up again like the days of old. We're always looking for the new, Right? But he's saying we're going to raise up the things that was even in the old. And he says that those people, when they have the tabernacle of David rebuilt in them, right? They're going to possess the land of Edom, of their enemies. How many would like to have some enemies that they'd like to just stomp a mud hole in? You know what I'm saying? And and possess that land, you know? I'm with you. I'm with you right there. So go ahead and turn to 1 Chronicles 13. We'll be in in verse 1. 
We're going to spend a lot of time here, so keep your finger there, because we're going to probably bounce out to some scriptures, but we're going to always be coming back to First Chronicles around 13, and we'll go to 15 too. But keep your finger there. Keep a bookmark there. Okay, and we're going to... We're going to be going through a fair amount of scripture, so I hope I can do that and keep it uh, in line. Um, but a little backstory here. So David had just become king. He, he had just uh, was raised up as king. This story also goes along with with Second Samuel six, and so you can kind of correlate. I'm going with First Chronicles just because there's more details in it. Um, but he had just, he was anointed king, went and fought some battles. And an interesting thing with this too was that when he went, the Philistines rose up against him when they heard that he was king, right? King of Israel, because he was king of Judah. And even after, so this would have been after he fought Goliath. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath, I think, because if you don't, like, he went and whooped this big, big giant, right? Uh, even the world knows him. Like you can hear NFL commentators, like this is a this is a match between David and Goliath because it's a small guy and a big guy, right? And uh, so it was after he had already whooped him, and the Philistines rose up against him, and David's heart was to go to the father and say, "Will you deliver me out of the Philistines' hands?" He didn't say, "Oh, I've already whooped their best guy. I'm going to go ahead and just knock the tar out of these guys." He said, Lord, will you deliver me out of, out of the Philistines' hands? And he says, I will doubtlessly deliver you. So he goes and he whoops the Philistines. They rise up again, and he goes back to them. Or goes back to the Lord and says, Lord, will you deliver me again? And he says, don't go about it the same way, in my words. I'm not speaking exact scripture, so don't beat me up on it. Uh, don't go about it in your own way. But I want you to go about it this way, and I want you to go around this way, and then I'm going to do this. So he wasn't running on his own, own thought, his own ways, right? So when we go into this, like I just want to throw that out there because we we see that it actually happens the other way here. So I want to start here in verse one of First Chronicles 13. Then David consulted with the captains. Of thousands and hundreds, and with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel, and with them to the priests and Levites who are in in their cities and in their common lands, that they may gather together to us, and let us bring the ark of God back to us. For we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. So the, so the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, for those who don't, might not know, in the Old Testament, like that was where the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies. It resided there that only high, high priests could go in and, and be around the Ark of the Covenant, go into the Holy of Holies, Okay. And so what David is saying there is, he said, let's go and bring the ark to us because we haven't, we haven't been able to go to it since the days of Saul. His heart is, let's, let's bring the presence of God to where we are. David's heart was like, I want nothing but the presence right now, okay? 
I don't need all his gifts. I just want his presence. You see, in the, uh, I just got distracted by that horn. I don't know why. Um, sorry. But you see, I was hugely convicted by this because when I, like, I'm a lover of his presence. Truly am. I, I truly, like, back in 2018, like, we, me and Kirstie, we lost the baby. And, like, like I, be, I fell in love with his presence. But I was so convicted by it because I started looking at different scriptures, like, uh, when, uh, in Matthew, when Jesus tells, tells us how to, like, pray in this manner, right? Our Father who art in heaven. We all know this, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My thoughts instantly go to... Healings, miracles, signs and wonders. Why? Because if heaven comes on earth, what is it what's going to be like in heaven? Is there going to be sicknesses and all that stuff? No. But my so my mind just goes that way, right? What about his presence? He wants to be with us. I was so heavily convicted, I was like, Lord, I'm so sorry. Forgive me, because it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. His will. With that will it means in, in Greek, it's like the, theloma. And it means will, design, desire. You see, God intended from the very beginning, when he made Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden, he wanted to be with them. It talks about how he walked with them. His presence was there, right? It was constantly with them. And then when they sinned, that separated. And so God's whole desire through everything, was to get back to that. See, Jesus come, a lot of people, a lot of us think that Jesus come just to save the lost, right? Save us lost folks. In Luke, it talks about how he come to save that which was lost. See, and so many times we start thinking about, oh, we need, we need, we need Jesus so that we can get to heaven. All the while, well, God's trying to come here. His heart's come here while our heart's trying to get to him. When our life's like a vapor, man, like, like I don't know when I'm going to go, so I just need to make sure that I say this prayer so I can go to heaven. All the while, while he's wanting to be with us here. He's wanting to rebuild that tabernacle of David within us here. See, after we, Kirsty and I, we, we lost that baby and we started just worshiping at home. And we started having the presence of God come into our house. We started experiencing like amazing things, right? Like when God comes, I'm just going to tell you, like if you want normal, like you, you just like, it's not going to be normal for you, okay? Just giving you a little footnote. Like the problem is, is that our normal, like our natural, our normal it was never intended. Like the supernatural was supposed to be what is supposed to, like what he intends. And so that should become our normal, right? So we experience different things. And we, Kirsty and I, we even put together even a, a discipleship um, book and stuff like that that we have. It's, it's called Rooted, if you guys haven't heard of it. Um, it's a class that we have here. And in that like we push, James and Sharon are, are leading it this time, and we've had discussions uh, about this. Like everything that I know after that point is relationship with him. 
so huge, right? His presence has to be here. Otherwise, it's just religion. And, and a quote that I like to say is, is the principles without the prince is religion. But the prince with the principles is, is relationship. And so I'm so heavy on relationship. And I mean, I'm talking anywhere from unforgiveness. Like seriously, like when, when I was, when I've been in like direct communion with the father, like I've had some people say and do some pretty stupid stuff to me and I never got offended. Lynette's last because she knows like I can highly be offended. <laughs> seriously, there's been times where like I wanted to reach up and just smack somebody. And, but when I'm in the place with God, like there's no offense. And you're like, well, you just don't know what they did. But you just don't know the love of God, neither. When I see people that's heavily, heavily, heavily offended, and I, I've been there. I'm not trying to knock you. I've been there. I'm like, man, they just need to sit at the feet of Jesus. Because the presence, that direct communion, that direct relationship changes things. Serving, servanthood. If you're not in direct relationship with him, you will burn out. You will burn out. It's all about His presence being with us. That's what it was intended, the whole book. That's what I just said. It was designed for His presence to be with us. See, and then God started talking to me. He says, what, what a relationship are you pursuing? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you got acquaintance relationships at church. There's people in here that, I have, that we have acquaintance relationships. Hopefully someday they grow to more. But that's all I know some of you as, right? There's some I don't even know. But I try making my rounds and saying hi and, and introducing myself or whatnot. If I haven't made it to you, I'm sorry. But I try to. But those are acquaintance relationships, right? I have other relationships in here with like close people. And like they're almost like family. And I have fellowship with them. Once a week, once every two weeks, maybe some weeks, there's two or three times a week that I have that fellowship. He says, what relationship are you pursuing? Because in an intimate relationship like I have with my wife, we have fellowship daily. And he says, it's not just the relationship. He said, it's the fellowship. He goes, when my presence is there, he said, we have fellowship. We said, when it's not there, you still have a distance relationship, but I want fellowship. We have, to, we have to seek the presence. We have to seek that fellowship with Him. With this, I feel like it's in... Whoa. It's 9.51. I got to need to start moving. Uh, first, first Samuel. I'm raw and real. If you, if you ain't heard me talk, then here it is. I laid out on the out there. So we need to, we need to understand the importance of why... They, they lost the presence as well. Why the, pre- why the ark wasn't there, okay? And so, I, I really feel like God showed me that, like, that, this is, that there's a foundation for His presence. But there's also footers. And I'll explain that as we're kind of going as well. But there's footers. So in a foundation, you have to pour your footers for, first, right? And that's what supports your foundation, 
See, so many times we talk about the foundational things, the things that are they're going to hold us up. The foundation has to be structurally solid. The footers is what supports the foundation. And so I feel like, like God was starting to show me some of this stuff in, as footers. And so why they lost the, uh, the presence in 1 Samuel 7, 2, it says, So, so it was that the ark remained in Kerjath, Jerem, however you say that, a long time. It was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel laminated after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve him only, and he, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. That is the initial thing. There's, there's some other things we're going to go into here in a bit, but that is the initial thing of why they lost the presence. Even if they had the ark like kind of with them, like, they're, like it was not like working in their favor to have it with them at that point. Why? Because they had foreign gods. They were serving and worshiping other gods as well. And we say, oh yeah, we're, we don't do that. Do you though? Do you hold priority over certain things in your life? Then God... Do you hold your job? Do you hold your wife? You're like, hey, you're now, you're now you're stepping on fragile ground. No, I'm serious. Like, if you, the more I fall in love with Jesus, the more I fall in love with my wife. If me and her are having problems, like, I need, to, I need to start going to Jesus. I need to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because he's the first priority. Why? Because I, the love that he has for her, the way that he sees her, I'm going to start seeing her that way as well. So what gods do you have in your life? Is there any? Is there anything that you need to set down and return your heart fully to the Lord? He says, where's my David's at? Let's go back to First Chronicles 13. We're going to continue on. Just continuing right where we left off there, starting here in verse 4. Then all the assembly said that they would do so, for the, things, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shehor in Egypt to as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kerjatha Jeremah. However you say that, remember that. Uh, and David and all Israel went up to Allah to Kerjath, Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, the Lord, who dwells between the cherubim, where his name is proclaimed. So they carried the ark of God on the new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah in Ohio, drove the cart. Then David and all Israel played music before, the, before God with all their might. With singing on singing on harps and strings and instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. And when they came to Chadon threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen had stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand to the ark, and he died before there before God. And David became angry because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. 
Therefore, the place was called Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring the ark of God to me? So David went, or David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but took it aside into the house of Abed Adam the Jetite. The ark of God remained with the family of Abed Edom and in his house three months. So I'm going to, and the Lord blessed him, right? Try speeding this up a little bit. So we get this picture, okay? So, so when they was carrying the ark, they put the ark on a new cart, it says, right? They start worshiping him. They start singing and, and praise and all this stuff to him. Then the oxen stumbled. Uzzah reaches out to grab the ark, right? All in good intentions. And Uzzah dies. I mean, what the heck, right? But here's the thing. So this, this is the type of thing that we read and we get this painted picture of how God is so mean and how all this stuff. But we need to know the backstory. We need to understand what the backstory is because it says a new cart. The reason why it's a new cart is because if you read in 1 Samuel 5, chapter 4 through 6, I think it is, you will see that the Israelites had, right, they had already had their gods, right? So even if they had the ark, they were still not in the power and all that stuff. So they got whooped from, from the Philistines. So then they're like, well, let's bring the ark with us here on the battlefield and surely God will save us then. I remember this from when I rode bulls. Okay. Hey, let me throw this Bible in here. I was a wild child. All right. I wanted the Ark of the Covenant to ride with me just for a good luck charm. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember doing a sermon years ago at a, at a team sorting and it was talking about my buddy, the my buddy dolls. Anybody remember those things? I never had one. My dad never let me buy one. I was upset because I have scars from it. No, I'm just kidding. But anyways, like it was like a my buddy. The Bible was like a my buddy doll to me. I threw it in there, just like the Israelites did with this situation. They're like, hey, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant out. Then we could win. Then we can win that bull riding. Then we can be blessed. And it was one of the biggest massacres that they've ever had in, in Israel at that time. The Ark of the Covenant was captured from the Philistines. Philistines took it. So then they start having diseases break out and they're like starting fear, God, fear, fear the Ark of the Covenant. They're like, get this thing away from us. We have to get away because it, like we're having these tumors grow on us and all this stuff. So what do they do? They, they get some oxen, they get a cart and they put the Ark of the Covenant up on this cart and they send it out. Here's the thing. In Exodus, when the Ark of the Covenant was built, it was described exactly how it was supposed to be carried, and there was rings on it, and it was supposed to be carried by the priests, by the poles. These poles were supposed to go through the rings. You see, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, was never intended to be carried on a cart. It was intended to be carried by men, by the people. Are you hearing me? It was not intended to ride on a new cart. So when David and then put it on a new cart, he went, God's like, what are you doing? You're treating my presence like a foreigner. So it wasn't that God's just striking people dead. It's the fact that they didn't even 
They wasn't even respecting. They wasn't even honoring. Yeah, they, and this is why I say it was a footer. Because I believe that praise and worship, and we're going to get into this. I'm just going to say it now. I believe that praise and worship is the foundation. It's the foundation of, of what carries the presence. We'll get into why here in a little bit. But, but without the footer, they praised with all their might. But it fell. Why? Because a footer wasn't there. We have to understand that, that, the, that the presence of God is not a my buddy tool. It's not just to carry with us just to get a blessing. It's not just to run to when we just got whooped. I'm not, I'm not saying don't run to him when you're in battle. Absolutely run to him. That's the first place you should go. But you should be running to him when good things happen. You should be running to him with praise and thanks. You should be running to him on an everyday basis saying, Lord, I don't know what you got for me today, but I'm ready for it. See, and then we think high priests, priests have to carry it. Who's the priest nowadays in the New Testament? Because in, in 1 Peter, it talks about, it says, but you are the chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. If you don't believe that, you're, you're listening to lies. You have to understand that through the blood of Jesus, that you are a high priest of his. He's a king of kings, right? If he's a king of kings, who's the kings? We are. He's the Lord of lords. It's not, it's not a blasphemy, blasphemy thing to be saying that. Scripture says it. And is it, it's intended for us, the presence of God, to be carrying it. Let's, let's skip one chapter here in 1 Chronicles. We're going to 1 Chronicles, Chronicles 15. We'll start there in verse 1. David built houses for, for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then God said, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God, to minister before him forever. And David gathered all Israel together at Jerusalem to bring the ark of, of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. I want to skip here to 12. And he said to them, You are the heads of the Father's house of the Levites. Sanctify yourself, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the, the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place that I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. Remember me talking about how, how well David did that, how well he always consulted God with the battles of being delivered from, from the Philistines. But yet he didn't do it here. So many times we get in that, that vein, right? I've been there. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord, God of Israel. And the children of Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. One of the other footers is to be sanctified. 
We have to sanctify ourselves. We have to prepare a place for the, for the living God to dwell. So I'm at, like, it boils my blood. There, there's some particular, uh, well-known, too, um, if you follow Rodeo back in the 90s, you'd definitely know their name. Uh, min- they go and minister a gospel. I ain't even going to say they minister the gospel because they minister a gospel. Because they will say that if you accept Jesus, it don't matter what you do from there, you are saved. That you could go and kill, you can go and rape, you can go and commit adultery, you can do whatever. Now, I, what I'm saying, don't, don't get me wrong. If you mess up after you accept Jesus, like you, it's not that you're going to hell, I'm not saying that. But the heart intent, if, if you think that like you can just accept Jesus and then go and do whatever you want, like I don't know if you truly accepted the Jesus that I know. Because when you accept the Jesus that we know, and that we preach in this church, like there's going to be a transforming. So the initial sanctification happens by you accepting Jesus and what he did for you on the cross and the bloodshed that he shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins and for, to restore all that which was lost, right? Sanctification starts there and then it continues. Okay, so there's a thing that you start setting yourself apart, that you that you break away from things that you've used to do, stuff like that. The other thing that Scripture talks about, that you are sanctified through the washing of the Word. You're sanctified, you sanctify your heart through reading the Word of God, right? So, like, I, I've, I mentioned this to people, and I, like, I was hesitant to even say it, because I don't want, to, I don't want this to bring, bring on something to you that, like, I need condemn- or, like, any condemnation on what you do. But I heard this in a sermon, and it's like, changed my life. So if you can do, if you can keep the communion right with you and God by doing what, like listening to whatever you listen to, so be it. For me, I need more of a radical approach, okay? Because I'm too other way, like certain songs and stuff like that start bringing me back to other places that I used to be in my wild days, Right? Music can drive you emotionally in so many ways. It's such an amazing, powerful tool, right? But Pastor Trey Johnson said in, in one deal, he says, God, or the world don't need me to show up to a rodeo and be filled with all country music or all this stuff. He says, I listen to worship music and I listen to sermons. And that's why I set my days up the way I described earlier of I worship in the morning and then try to listen to podcast sermons in the afternoon. Why? Because they don't need me filled with the things that are rising up, anger, rising up, different stuff in me from the past. They need me to be filled with the, with the Spirit of God when I show up on, on a job site. They need me filled with the Spirit of God when I walk into Walmart, right? I don't need that stuff. So there's a sanctification that happens and, and might have to happen with you. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to tell you that, that you have to do that, right? But there might have to be something that you set yourself apart and you say, hey, you know what? This separates me from Jesus. I want no more to do with it. I cannot find that, that connection or I start losing that connection with the Father when I listen to this type of music. When I listen to this type of, of, of uh, news or, or podcasts. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day and he says, I, I, I don't listen. I probably need to, but I don't listen to much news. It's just so negative. I get it. 
fully understand it. But there might be something that you need to sanctify. There might be something that you need to set yourself apart with. So let's move on here with, um, in 1 Chronicles 15. Verse 15, And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles, as Moses had commanded according to the word of of the Lord. Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers accompanied by instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps, and cymbals, by raising the voices with resounding joy. Skip to 25. So David, the elders of Israel, and the captains over thousands went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the house of Abed-Edom with joy. And so it was with God when God helped the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord that they offered seven bulls and seven rams. I'm going to stop right there. So in 1 Samuel, as I said in the beginning, that 1 Samuel 6 is the same story, Right? So 1 Samuel 6, 13, it says, right there where it's talking about that they sacrificed the, the bulls and stuff, it says, And so it was, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and a fatted sheep. Okay? So, so if you're reading out of different translations, we figured this out last night, different translations say a fatted sheep, a fatted calf, uh, King James Version says a fatling. And so what that means, so the, the oxen, right, or the bull is talking about strength. A lot of times it is a symbol of like carnal strength, right? So they're supposed to be sacrificing this bull. The other thing is the, is the fatted sheep, the fatling. A fatling, what I read is, is that it's your very best. It, it, it is a calf or a sheep that was set apart and set into a stall and fed special for that special occasion, In six paces, six is the number of man. Six is the number of a carnal fleshly, right? Like if you start, if you're reading through the Bible, like numbers mean something. Like three, complete, you know, like there's the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So six is the carnal man. On the sixth day, man was made, um, was created, right? So, So I propose a thought to you here. I propose a thought that God was saying, when you're moving my ark, I, at every six paces, at every six steps, I want you to sacrifice a bull. I want you to sacrifice a bull because I don't want your own strength. I don't want you to be relying on your own strength to do this. I don't want you, I want you to lean on me for all understanding here. And I want you to also do a fatted uh, sheep or a fatted uh, calf. Why? Because I want your very best. I don't want to be, I don't want to see one of your best days. I want your very best. I want you to lay everything down. I want to see your very best. We talk about it with my boy playing football. I'm like, flip the switch. You need to be better than you've ever been before. Today, you need to play better than you've ever been before. God's saying, I want your very best today. What you was yesterday was good, but I want your very best today. In the six paces, he says, every time that you get six paces, I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to hit six and think that you can do it on your own. Can you imagine this? I read a commentary that talked about how there's like 30,000 kilometers. It would have been 3,500 sacrifices. Could you imagine six paces? We would have already killed like 12 by the time we get to the back door. Could you imagine the guts, the blood and guts and everything? 
And this is also, they get to, they get the ark there. And this is also when David starts dancing. Could you, there's something to dance about when you ain't got to kill 3,500 animals again, right? But you see, he's saying, I want your very best. I want, I, I don't want your own strength. I just want your very best. I want your heart. He says, I want your very best from deep within your soul. Not what you can think of and, and make up and, and think that it's going to be okay. Not your best intentions. We've seen what best intentions got him. See, the other thing that we've read through in that scripture was David set up his, his uh, worshipers. In the area that we skipped over, he started, it goes into, I just wasn't going to go through it all, but it starts, they started appointing different people to do different things, right? He started setting up the foundation. He says, now we got our footers. Now let's get our foundation poured. Psalms. Psalms 22.3 says, But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Israel being his people. says, You are holy. You are enthroned. His throne is set upon the foundation of our praises. See, worship can be so hard sometimes for people. Worship, this gentleman don't go to our church anymore, but we heard through the grapevine that he used to drive around out in the parking lot until he knew worship was over because he didn't know how to worship. Like he's scared to worship. Worship can be intimidating sometimes. I get it. I understand. But what I encourage you is to pray and ask God, how do you worship? I'm telling you right now, I have been, I'd been coming to this church. I started coming here and I'd come off and on before this, but steady was December of 2004. And I was on fire. Then I felt religious, very religious. And in 2018, when we lost that baby, when we was, when we was back at home learning, I was learning how to worship again. I promise you there was many nights, Lord, teach me how to, how to worship you. Teach me, Holy Spirit, how to fall in love with you. Our love is not capable of, of even without, like the agape love, the love like God kind of love that I want to give God. I'm not capable of, Holy Spirit, teach me more. It's okay to not know. I want to read something real quick. This is in, uh, comes out of the, it's like a commentary deal out of the Spirit-Filled Study Bible. It says, Few principles are more essential to our understanding than this one. The presence of God's kingdom power is directly related to the practice of God's praise. The verb and throne indicates that wherever God's people exalts His name, He is ready to manifest his kingdom's power in the way most appropriate to the situation, as his rule is invited to invade our setting. The three songs that we do up here is not just a sing-along song. 
I encourage you to start growing in hunger. They're like anticipating. You're like sitting back there drinking coffee and you're like, man, when's this thing start? Why? Because the presence of our living God is fixing to come. Because that desire inside you says, man, I got to have it. I'm not going to be late today. The three songs, I know it might sound like I'm trying to get on you, but I'm not. I'm just trying to make a point of how real worship is. Okay, the three songs isn't so that it gives us time before the minister speaks to go and get coffee, to go and do this, to go. I understand if you're late, still come. Don't, I'm not saying that. Like, that's what we tell people at Rooted too. Like, if you're going to be late here, still come. It don't matter. But I encourage you to start pursuing the presence in a way that you've never pursued it. And that you're like hungry, hungry for it. Because you're like, the presence of the living God's going to come. I know that as soon, so, so sometimes it's the inside of, of worship, like we discuss it all the time. Um, the first song, it's, it's hard to get into, right? But when everybody starts coming with the hunger, the hunger that says, I know at the first praise that I say, God's, God's presence is going to be enthroned in this place. That we have 200, 300 people start coming together with this hunger inside them that says, at the first word of this first praise song, the first worship song, the presence is going to fall. The glory of God's going to come. And that's what I'm coming to church today for. I'm not coming for anything else. And if you need stuff, still come. God's, God's there. But what the number one thing is, if you need healing, there's going to be time for you to be healed today. I believe that the presence of God is going to be here and he's going to start changing some some stuff in your body. Strongly believe it. But come with the fact that my heart is coming for you, God. And you do with me what you will. I need healing in my body. And I come to him and I say, God, I worship you. You are so good. You know what I need. Just as the birds don't have to worry about what tomorrow brings. I'm going to be like a bird today because I know that you know what my needs are. So I just worship you for your faithfulness. See, Davidic worship is filled with singing, instrumental music, standing, kneeling, bowing, upraised hands, clapping and dancing. When I first started coming to this church, I'd never seen anybody raise their hand in, in praise and worship. I was raised Catholic. Then I went to a Methodist church. After my parents' divorce, I'd never seen hands raised worshiping Jesus until I started coming here. Sometimes there's going to be things that in your upbringing that's going to be different when the old come back. Because what happened is, is the enemy tried to put away those things and try hiding those things because of what was happening here at the, at the tabernacle of David. So they start putting those things away and they start, oh, you can't do that. I remember hearing about a church, people talking about it. It was the first time I'd heard that there's a drum set, right? And I remember hearing people talk, oh, I don't know if that's biblical that you can even have a drum set. <laughs> now I play the drums. <laughs> but... Like seriously, like there, there could be things that happen and it's the things of old. It's the tabernacle David being restored and we can't fight against it. I remember seeing, first time I seen prophetic dance, I'm like, ooh, that's not right. 
And then we got a video from a dear friend that was living in Brazil at the time of her prophetically dancing, warring, sweating profusely for when we lost our baby in 2018. She sent it as we was going in the hospital to try hearing the heartbeat one last time. Changed my whole aspect of prophetic dance. Guess what? If they are dancing and it's wrong, they have the wrong heart, they're doing it for attention or they're doing it for whatever reason you might think, that's between them and God. If they're raising their hands and trying to be a scene or something like that, that's between them and God. You just worship God the way that He wants you to worship Him. And if it's dancing, I remember a gal used to come here that dance up and down the aisles. If it's dancing, let it dance. skipped over one scripture and through this all I had it going at the beginning but through this all one of the things that stuck out to me with David and it summed it up in Psalms 132 verse 1 it says Lord remember David and all his afflictions how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. I long for, for two to three hundred people to come together. What it says... Lord, I swear to you that I won't go to any comfort until I find a place for your presence to dwell on the inside of me. That, you, that there's an affliction that happens, that we have chili cook-offs and no chili's eaten because everybody's fasting because they want the presence of God. Seriously. Or we have a chili cook-off of 200 people, and when they come together, when that many people come together with a heart that says, I want more, that worship starts breaking out at a chili cook-off. I long for that. Worship team, can you come up? So seeing with the calendar where we're at right now, um... Pentecost is next weekend. Some people might say, ain't that Jewish? And I'm like, well, there's holy convocations of the Lord that was put away from the enemy because there is like real fruit that comes out of like the feasts of the Lord, right? So Pentecost is next week. So in Acts, so Jesus, when he died on the cross for us and he was raised from the dead, he come back and he visited the disciples, right? And he told them, he says, do not leave. Go to the upper room and do not leave until the, the comforter, the gift comes. I can't remember exactly what word, but basically the Holy Spirit comes, right? So they went to the upper room. About 120 of them went to the upper room. And they started preparing. They started praying. They started worshiping for 10 days. 
So on the calendar right now, we are in those 10 days of of preparing. And so what I encourage you to do is I encourage you to start preparing yourself for, and I I need to say this. So what, what I know about the feasts and what I know about those times is like, those are the appointed times. Those are the holy convocations. Those are the days that God says, I am coming to meet with my people, right? And so it's like a lightning strike coming down from heaven. So when we're reaching up to him and the lightning strike comes down, it's that time. So I believe that we're going to start seeing more and more in feeling of the Holy Spirit as time goes on. As the, as the restoration of the, of the tabernacle of David starts coming about, there's going to be more and more coming about in the end times. And so I'm on Pentecost next Sunday, like I believe that there's going to be an outpouring. So if you're wanting more and more and more and more of God, I encourage you to start preparing yourself now. I encourage you to start sanctifying yourself, setting yourself apart. I encourage you to start laying down whatever gods or whatever things, whatever priorities that you've put above God in this time. I encourage you to start sacrificing your own strength and start giving him your very best. And I encourage you to step and turn in a way that you've never turned before to see new revelation of Jesus. Revelation 1.10 I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see Write in a book and, and send it to the seven churches, which is our in Asia. I'm going to skip. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. See, John had to turn. He had to turn to see the voice that was speaking to him. There was a physical movement that happened. So I encourage you to ask God, say, hey, what way do I need to turn? What way do I need to turn so I can see a deeper revelation? This song that we're going to sing talks about his face, talks about his kisses. If you've never seen his face, say, God, how do I need to turn to see your face? How do I need to turn to receive a kiss from you? I encourage you now, if you guys all stand up, just to start preparing for this time. If you need to come forward and you need to worship up here, if you need to move the aisles and you need to dance, if you need to do whatever... But here's something that I seen when I was preparing this message. God showed me a vision. I see stuff like, like when I when God's speaking to me, I often see like an internal like picture in my brain. And I seen people covering themselves up with leaves. They kept grabbing more and they couldn't get enough leaves to cover themselves up. And I believe that God is saying that there's some of you that think that you're unworthy to come to the altar to worship him. And he wants that demolished, that he wants those, those lies crushed today. So if that's you and you would come forward up to the front, please come forward and, and worship him up there. He says, Jesus is enough. The blood of my son was enough to cover you. Even Adam and Eve, when they was taking those leaves and covering them, he said, that ain't good enough. That was the first sacrifice. So God sacrificed an animal then and wrapped him with the, with the uh, hide. He says, God says, I will cover you.